Welcome to the Understanding Dyslexia Workshop. I am so excited that you're here and that you are investing in learning more about dyslexia. So my name is Nicole Holcomb. For those of you who may not be familiar with me, I am the host and founder of Dyslexia Mom Life. But to tell you a little bit more about my background so that you can understand why I would be talking about this topic, I spent many years as an educator and a school counselor working at all levels, elementary, middle, and high, and even teaching college psychology. Uh, and then currently, I work as a civil rights attorney. But most importantly, I am talking to you from the perspective of a mom, a mom raising a kiddo with dyslexia who just started middle school. But we started this journey back in first grade. And although I was trained as an elementary education teacher, although I spent many years as a school counselor, these are still areas that were new to me. And so I'm so excited to bring this information to you today so you can hopefully understand dyslexia better and know what what the next steps are, and just to be more familiar. So what are you going to learn today? Well, you're going to learn a definition for dyslexia. You're going to learn the common myths that people say about dyslexia. You're going to learn some warning signs, some red flags, some symptoms, whatever you might want to call it, about dyslexia. And if you're like many moms and dads, hindsight, you look back and go, yes, that was it. But we just didn't know. And then finally, what to do to help your child and to provide you some resources. So let's jump right in. I want to start first with what is dyslexia? And although there is definitely a way to pull apart the actual what does the word dyslexia mean as far as from the roots of the word, I really want to talk to you from the perspective of how to best understand what it is. So I really like the definition from the Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity. I really think it hits spot on what dyslexia is. And so I like to use this definition. It is dyslexia is an unexpected difficulty in learning to read. Dyslexia takes away an individual's ability to read quickly and automatically. We call that fluency for those of you who might not be familiar with that. And to retrieve spoken words easily, but it does not dampen one's creativity or ingenuity. So yes, your kiddo is smart, but yes, they are struggling to learn to read and maybe spell and maybe their multiplication facts, right? Well, you may be wondering, where does dyslexia come from? Like, how did my child become a dyslexic? So let me share with you a little bit about where dyslexia actually comes from. And I find it very helpful to learn this information. First is, it is hereditary. There are three genes that are marked specifically for dyslexia. And although we don't test for those yet, maybe one day we will. And that will be the easiest way to know, yes, this individual is dyslexic. But really, this is the biggest risk factor in a family is that the family has a dyslexic in their family tree. And if you are dyslexic, there is a 50% chance that your child will be dyslexic. And I know families where there are several siblings that are dyslexic. So if you have one child that's dyslexic, you may have multiple children who are dyslexic. And so that's the first piece is, and, and we're going to talk about in a minute too, because many times us as adults, 
were not identified as a, a person with dyslexia. And so although we know we struggled in school, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute to help you gain some perspective, we don't know. We didn't know. But you know that you struggled. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But it is definitely not developmental. So complete, when, when someone says, oh, it's developmental, they'll grow out of it. Please do not go with that. Please do not ignore the warning, warning signs that you're seeing. And then it's a brain difference. So the structure of the brain is different. So the left hemisphere is the same, but the right hemisphere is actually 10% bigger. No, this doesn't mean your child is damaged. No, there doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. It is just that their brain looks different. And you have, since they have more brain, so to speak, on one side, you know, they do have such amazing gifts and talents but they also have an incredible struggle in their weak areas. And when you think about the brain, the wiring is just different. The nerve pathways are different. And what it affects is language processing. It's not necessarily a reading problem, but a language processing problem. And it affects processing in all the ways our children process language. But in addition to that, there's two more areas that dyslexia impacts and it, and it is part of, and one is directionality. And I have to raise my hand because directionality, it really is lifelong and it, and it does imply direction. So when you think about, when you say things like before and after or next and previous or first and last and over and under, even going to the B's and the D's, all those directionality sometimes gets, gets lost in the way that our brain works. And time, sometimes when you talk about yesterday or tomorrow, children with dyslexia and adults with dyslexia, it takes them a second because the brain is just wired differently. And the other part it really does impact is memory. So when you think about memorization, now that's not to say your child won't be able to memorize because they do and you do as an adult if you're the dyslexic in the family as well. But you're doing that through different senses as well. You're touching it. You're seeing it. And maybe it's three-dimensional. So things like song lyrics come easily. Uh, but there's also problem with sequencing, right? Like when you're trying to remember the days of the week or your child's trying to remember the alphabet, what order it goes in. And sometimes random facts, think multiplication facts. Many of our kids and maybe even us adults struggle with memorizing those multiplication facts. I can remember early on when our daughter was in kindergarten, first grade, and she was really struggling to learn those red words. At the time, they called them sight words. Then later, we called them red words. But at the beginning, uh, the sight words is the ones I'm referencing in, in early elementary. We would study and study and study. And one day, she would have them. And then by Thursday, when we were prepping for the test on Friday, it would be like she'd never heard of them before. But... For dyslexics, they have to have a reference. And so when you say the word the, there's no picture that pops in your mind for the, right? So it's very difficult for them because there's not a reference for that. And so sight words, um, they're, they're difficult. And so we would get, this is before the, the dyslexia uh, identification. And so it was so frustrating because it was like, you just, you had this two days ago. And now it was like she'd never seen the words before. So memory is definitely affected as well. Well, let's talk about a little bit about heredity, because when you think about dyslexia, some of these pieces might be helpful for you, because when your child is struggling in school, you might not be sure, well, 
I don't, I don't know for sure that I'm dyslexic, right? So let's talk about what a mild dyslexic might look like. And more than likely, as I said earlier, as a parent, as a student, right? You were not identified. And so as the parent going into this, you know, you struggled in school, but no one said it was because of the dyslexia, right? So some of the things that you may have experienced is you may have been a very solid straight C student, but you worked really hard for those grades. And sometimes the amount of work you put in didn't always uh, show in your grades, right? Maybe you went to college, probably more likely that you did, and you may have been on the five or six year route. And more than likely, you avoided classes with a lots of writing. So you may have asked your friends, hey, does that professor, what does that look like? And, and maybe you even changed majors because of that. And spelling. You would limit the words to what you knew. And if the words, uh, you got stuck on the words and spelling the words, you would just substitute a different word in. And the great thing about spell check is that we have it. But the bad thing is you have to spell the word close enough so spell check can pick up and give you alternates. And so if you can't get close enough, many times you get stuck. And you probably, even today, avoid writing a lot of things by hand. You don't like your handwriting. You struggle with your handwriting. Um, you don't want to write notes to your to your uh, to your teacher to your uh, kids' teachers. Um, you just you know you're ashamed of the way it looks, and then you really struggle with the spelling piece, and so it's just too laborious. And more likely than not, you struggle to learn a foreign language. And luckily, nowadays, our kids that are dyslexic are able to opt out and do American Sign Language. But when you were in school, if you had to take high school or college foreign language, you probably really struggled to learn that language. And as I said earlier for dyslexics, this is true for adults as well, is you struggle with directions. There's that confusion. It's never automatic. Maybe you go one way every time to a particular destination like your job. I know for me, I am so glad there is GPS on my phone. I can't tell you how much and how many times I get turned around, even going the same place I've been multiple times. So directionality is still a part of it as well. So that by no means is an exhaustive list, but those are some of the things that we see with adults who have mild dyslexia. And if you say, oh my gosh, that is so me, and your child is struggling, then it is very likely that there is that hereditary piece of dyslexia. So let's talk about three common myths about dyslexia. One of the common myths, and I have to say, again, raising my hand, because the first thing I thought about dyslexia was that they see things backwards. And ironically we were watching Percy Jackson not too long ago and in the movie he actually shows how the words jumbled up and they move around and all of this stuff um and my daughter goes yeah that's not what it looks like in my brain <laughs> so it's very interesting now that she's older to have some of those conversations but one of the common myths is that dyslexic see words backwards this is an auditory processing problem 
And, you know, it often gets that we, that kids get confused with the words or the way they write some letters or numbers might be backwards, but it's not due to a vision. It's not how they see the words. And so children with dyslexia get to have really no reference at the beginning, right? Before they're remediated, they have no reference for the word or the sound. They just kind of make it up. And sometimes it's from those picture clues that they've been told, right? That's why so many sight words are so hard because they're, again, like I said earlier, there's just no mental reference for it. The second one you may hear is, well, my child can read. Well, these kids, again, are highly intelligent. And so many times our kids have compensated for reading and maybe they were taught picture clues or maybe they're able to understand a few words and piece it together. But as these very bright children get closer to third grade, that's when they hit the brick wall with the reading. The reading switches from learning to read to reading to learn. And so as soon as they hit that third grade wall is where many times you will really start seeing that your child is struggling to read. So there is that period of time, depending on the severity, we'll talk about in a minute of how severe is your dyslexic. If it's mild, then they may have been able to compensate and appear to be reading. Three, dyslexia is rare. How many times have you heard that? How many times have you been in a school meeting where a principal or a teacher said, well, we've never had a dyslexic? Highly unlikely. Because the National Institute of Health says that dyslexia impacts about 20% of our population. And that can be mild, moderate, severe, profound dyslexic. So there's different degrees of dyslexia and severity of dyslexia. And when you think about a classroom... That's five to six children in a classroom who are probably dyslexic or some form of dyslexia. And the most common reason that our children are struggling is that it's with their spelling. You'll see it in their spelling. You'll see it with their written expression. So when they get to that third and fourth grade level, you know, there's those capital letters that have to be there. There's that punctuation. It's all this writing And that's really another part where you'll start really seeing it at that point in time. So let's talk a little bit about signs and symptoms and red flags and things that you can look for and things that you may see along the way that indicates that your child may be dyslexic. And so the first one we've already talked about earlier, which is heredity. So is there someone in your family, a parent, a grandparent who was dyslexic, or maybe struggled to learn to read, struggled to spell, struggled with writing, all those pieces that maybe went undiagnosed. But then the next piece is looking at, is your child having trouble with the sequence of the alphabet if they're really young? Maybe if they're not really young, right? Uh, Memorizing names of letters, like really understanding the letters. Multiplication facts. We see that a good bit as well. Spelling. Spelling is still hard at our house, even for the adults in our house. Pronouncing words. Did your child early on say paquetti? What were the words that they said that they mispronounced? So pronouncing words can be a red flag. Tying shoes. For many dyslexics, they have a hard time tying their shoes, maybe learning to ride a bike, all of those pieces. Now, if you're looking for additional signs and symptoms of dyslexia, I highly recommend this book. 
Overcoming Dyslexia by Dr. Sally Shaywitz. She is also the founder of the Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity. And there is two editions to this book. The most recent one, recent one, of course, is the second edition. And I'm going to tell you a page number to go to as I pull my book open here. It is page 142. And you can also go to her website, the uh, Yale Center for Dyslexia and uh, creativity. She has a good amount of information there as well as it relates to the signs and symptoms of dyslexia. I love this book. As you can see, I have it. I have it. If you're watching this on YouTube, I have it marked up. I have it tabbed. I use this book as a resource. If you don't have it, I highly recommend that you get it because it is very informative. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you though. It can be a little overwhelming at the beginning, like the first week you find out your child's dyslexic. It has a lot of information. It goes through all the brain research. It's very fascinating, especially if you have a science background. It was a little overwhelming for me, but it may be because I was still dealing with all the pieces of dyslexia, just finding out what does this mean, um, and all those pieces that you go through. So. Looking at the book, though, she talks about the different clues to understanding and identifying early childhood dyslexia. What I love about how Sally Shaywitz talks about clues of dyslexia is that she also talks about not only the problems the children are having, but the signs of strength of high level thinking, how our children process other information other than reading and spelling and math for many. But, you know, how our kids are creative and they think outside the box and they're able to figure things out and they have this high level of curiosity. They enjoy solving problems. They may even have a very large vocabulary. She talks about all of that in the book. So I love that. that. Uh, like I said, her website also has some of these. I don't know that the, all of these are listed on there, but I think the majority of them are. are. So you can jump on the website the, where the Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity and I believe she has it under signs of dyslexia. And she references these things as these are the things you may see your child struggle with, but you may also see these things. So, for example, she talks in preschool years, difficulty in learning and remembering names of letters and numbers, right? We just talked about that. Constant mispronouncing of words, that persistent baby talk. They might not be able to rhyme really well. But then as our kids get older, she talks about that this is mainly second grade and beyond. She talks about the speech not being fluent. There may be pauses or hesitation when speaking. You may hear them use a lot of ums when speaking. And that's because they don't have a reference sometimes for a exact word they want to use and so they may have a vague reference of stuff or things instead of the proper name for something and that's because they can't find that exact word it's they get confused sometimes and just can't pull that word out but then she also talks about them slow to progress slow to actually acquire those reading skills so their reading may be really robotic or they may read a sentence and not remember what they read because they were so busy trying to figure out what each word was and they really have trouble with words they've never seen before and as we think about she has a whole list of these things in the back 
She talks also about the reading being very slow and tiring. Like if your kids are at school all day, which obviously they are, but when they come home at night, if you see they are just worn out from school, it is because for a dyslexic, that's been a long day. Because if you think about school and even our world around us, everything is about reading. Think about the subjects in class. Think about the stuff that's on the board. Think about the worksheets. Think about the projects. Everything is written. Everything is language. Everything is reading. And you may sometimes see messy handwriting. And just an avoidance to read for pleasure. Because it's so exhausting. But here's the other piece that's concerning. And we'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. But when you look at the signs and symptoms, as our kids get older, you'll start seeing a lower self-esteem. You'll even have kids say, I don't know why I don't understand. I guess I'm just stupid. I can't tell you how many moms have reached out to me in tears because their child felt stupid. And they're not. They've just not been taught how to read. And the other pieces she talks about, especially for this group, is she talks about, you know, some have difficulty memorizing multiplication facts. They may really struggle with understanding math concepts. Again, that problem with directionality she talks about in poor spelling. Now, this is the piece I want you to hear, though. There are signs and symptoms of dyslexia. There are pieces. I know now looking back to preschool, there were definitely signs we missed. So this is not about blaming. This is not about shame. This is about educating you so that you know what you're looking at and that you can talk to others and help advocate for your child. You can't do that if you don't understand what this is. And what you may find if you or your spouse was the one or is the one that's dyslexic, you may learn a lot about yourself and your spouse along the way. Now, I love that Sally talks about the strengths of our dyslexics. And she talks about for this age group, which is, again, I'm, I'm picking pieces off of the second grade and higher list. She talks about excellent thinking skills, about reasoning, imagination. Do you see those at home? Do you see those pieces? And they have that ability to see that big picture. And they also have a high level of understanding what is read to them. So their comprehension may be really well when they're being read too. So when you think about that and you think about the type of accommodations your child needs, you definitely want to get some type of program where they can have um, the text read to them. Whether that's an audiobook whether there's other programs that are out there that helps dyslexics, there are things out there that help them read um, or reads to them rather that helps them to continue to stay on pace with their class. And sometimes to even find that love of reading. She talks about all these pieces and what I love about it is, um, Oh, this is the last one she says on this particular topic uh, as far as this age group. And Oh my goodness, does it hit home for us and many of the kids we know exceptionally empathetic does your child have a huge empathy for people for things for animals do they have such a large heart for others that it hurts sometimes like they are just such strong empathetic people which is why we'll, we could talk about it another time uh why that's a strength and why you have people 
um, in the entrepreneurial space doing so well that are dyslexics because they're able to really relate to the people that they manage. So anyway, I highly, highly recommend Overcoming Dyslexia. It is a great resource, uh, not only for signs and symptoms, but she talks about examples and things of that nature. So we'll, we'll come back to that here in a minute. So you may be thinking, well, okay, so I hear what you're saying, and I definitely think there are some signs here of dyslexia, and I'm going to raise my hand and ask for help, and I'm going to ask the school for testing. Well, these may be some of the things that you hear. You may hear things like, well, we don't have any students here with dyslexia, or I've never taught a dyslexic. You may hear, well, we can't test for dyslexia until your child is in at least third grade. You may hear it's a medical issue. We can't test for that. Talk to your doctor. Your child just needs to try harder and you need to read more at home. Have you heard any of those before? It hits home hard, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to hear. It really is. When you go to your schools and your educators and you really, you know, they're the expert on your kid academically and you're really wanting to have some help so your child can be successful. And you already know that one in five is said to be dyslexic. So you know there are other dyslexics at that school. Definitely can test for dyslexia way before third grade. And I was referencing earlier the Yale Center of Dyslexia and Creativity. She actually has a dyslexia screener that you can use early on to see are there enough signs for testing. And there are many other dyslexia screeners. If you type into Google, you'll find those. I would choose to go with someone that is more of a, I guess, a known reference like Sally Shaywitz, someone that really knows her stuff, um, as opposed to, you know, a random person. So I would just be cautious there. But they're pretty straightforward. And there's some of the things that we've already talked about. Is there a history in your family? Is your child struggling with spelling? Uh, things of that nature. So if you look at the list of things that Sha Sally Shaywitz list, you'll have your own dyslexic screener. But absolutely, those are out there. She has one and it's free and it takes just a few minutes. And you will hear people say it's a medical issue. You will hear that. But at the end of the day, uh, public schools can find your child has a specific learning disability in the area of reading. That's usually how they say it. There are some states that have made great progress and they say the word dyslexia and they test for dyslexia. But that is still a work in progress. And please just take a deep breath and count to however many numbers you need to count to when you hear your child just needs to try harder. What that really is a red flag of, if you hear these pieces about why they cannot help your child when you ask for help, that to me is a red flag that, that the school doesn't understand dyslexia, which you need to know because as we talk about what to do next, you need to know those pieces so that when you go back to the school to ask for specific instructional support, you'll already have a red flag knowing that the school doesn't understand dyslexia. And there is nothing wrong with providing this book to a building principal, this overcoming dyslexia book, to a school um, teacher. Many times teachers want to help your child. They just don't know how. And I have learned from many, many um, teachers and tutors who have been through training say, every child can learn this way. Why aren't we using these tools? They want to help your child. They just don't have the tools. 
So before we talk about what to do next, I do want to bring to your attention something I call dyslexic sisters. You will hear people call it dis, you'll hear people call dyslexic sisters co-occurrences, uh, comorbidities. Uh, it's really what are their other pieces that are existing at the same time. I like to call them dyslexic sisters because they're all in the household kind of fighting and not getting along. They're arguing about who's going to sit in the front seat of the car because who's going to drive this thing. And so as you're looking at the intervention pieces, when you get there, you have to also be mindful that there could be some other pieces that are also there that your child is working through. And so you'll see from this diagram, which I got from the Orton Gillingham Online Academy, you will see there that there are many overlapping and especially in the area of uh, ADD and ADHD. There are really high stats about the overlap and the co-occurrences as some people say it um, for a child that's ADHD and has ADD they could very well be dyslexic and vice versa. Dyslexics many times have those as well. But you'll also see those other pieces. Kids that are struggling with anxiety. Kids that might be depressed. Kids that are also, you'll see all these other dis words like dysgraphia, dyscalculia. You know, those other pieces, which they're writing. These are right. One of them is about the writing. One of them is about the math. One of them is about just language, right? And you'll see at the top, developmental language disorder, there are some that have autism. There are others that have uh, EF is executive functioning. Are they able to organize? Are they able to do step after step? If you say, just go clean your room, do you go look and nothing's clean? It is probably because you need to give them step by step. Can you go up and, and bring your laundry down? And so you may have to reorganize the way you look at those pieces. I like for you to know about the dyslexic sisters because you can get blindsided looking at the dyslexia and not realizing the anxiety is so high because maybe your child is older and the bullying has happened or the self-confidence is low or I'm just stupid. I can't do this. And until they get the proper remediation and intervention, they feel that way. And so you may have to address that first. You may have to start addressing through school counseling individual counseling, however you need to do that. Maybe it's conversations too at home to understand their dyslexia. So it could be who is in the driver's seat. And that may be where you have to start. Or you may be like us. We had to have speech therapy along with dyslexia and interventions there. So sometimes you may be doing multiple things at once. And, and that can feel a little overwhelming. But the reason I bring it up now is... As you ask for help and as you figure out what the next steps are, you really need a whole picture. And so when you're going to get those assessments done and the evaluations and however you go about that, whether it's public or private, you really need to have a whole child perspective of what is going on with your child so that you can make sure they get the accurate and the right interventions. So what to do next? What do you do next? I hear some things that are, are concerning to me. I am learning so much about dyslexia. Uh, I think this is definitely what we're dealing with. Well, a couple of things. One is early identification. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, great, my child's in fourth grade. Okay, but now you know, so take steps to go ahead and take action. But the earlier you know, the earlier they can get intervention, and then we can cut off some of the low self-esteem and the other pieces that may develop because of 
the lack of the interventions. And so although you feel like, okay, well, I missed it, guess what? There could be a sibling. There may be a grandchild. And now that you know, you can push for that early identification. And that means as early as kindergarten. Early identification. And many states are putting things in place now for kindergarten. I know in Georgia, they're putting things together for kindergarten through second grade to make sure and do those intervention not interventions I'm sorry making sure they do the early identification and they do those dyslexia screeners to see if is this a child who now needs testing to determine and another thing that's so important is to learn about dyslexia and you're here today and if you're still listening this is huge learning about dyslexia the more that you learn the more comfortable and confident you're going to feel talking about dyslexia And you're going to be your child's best advocate. And as you teach your child as they get older to self-advocate, you have to understand what you're dealing with. And so again, that's why I share with you the Dyslexic Sisters, because you may be talking about more than just dyslexia. And keep in mind when the instructional piece happens, when you have that identification, you know that's what you're dealing with. The instruction needs to be sequential, multisensory, and Orton-Gillingham based. I don't have time to go into all that today, but that instruction or that tutoring can't be with someone like I was trained in reading. I have an elementary ed degree, but I cannot tutor my child and I've not been taught how to teach a student with dyslexia how to best learn to read. There is a very specific sequence to how you do that. It is very individualized for your child. So as you're looking at tutors and instructional support, there are some specific things that you need to look for. And one of those is if you hear, oh, I've never taught a dyslexic, probably not the best tutor, right? If you're in a public school and you got what you got, right? Like this is just a teacher assigned to us, then you need to be asking questions about that support. And it may mean, like for some of us, that you have to go private or you have to do tutoring, I get that's a big pill to swallow, and I get that is not the most economical for most of us, but it may be a reality. So you can't keep doing more of the same and expect a change. So as they say, if nothing changes, then nothing changes. So if your child can't learn to read in the current environment, giving them more of the same is not going to correct it. Another piece that's so important is to really talk to your child about dyslexia. Now, that might not be the first day you find out. It's going to take you a minute. It's going to take you a minute to work through some of the mindset pieces you need to work through, not only to learn about dyslexia so you can answer their questions, but also to learn about your child's personal learner profile on dyslexia, possibly those dyslexic sisters. And for many kids, it's a relief to know, oh, that's what this is. Did you hear me say that? For some kids, it is a relief to know, oh, my brain thinks differently. It's not that I'm being lazy. It's not that I just didn't do, you know, this right or that right. And so we are very open in our family about dyslexia. Obviously, I have a podcast, so my daughter is very aware of dyslexia. But it has been so important to us as a family early on to have those conversations. And whether you do that through introducing your child to a book or a book character or a movie character or however you choose to do that, you know, but let me say this, you know developmentally when it's the right time to do that. 
So for us, we talked to our Orton Gillingham tutor, we talked to our psychologist, and we made that decisions together as a team as to when the right time was. But I will say, go with your, your gut. You as the mom know when it's time. And I think the earlier, the better. That's just my two cents on that. Find your community as the parent raising a kid with dyslexia. Find your tribe. Find your community. Who is it? Maybe it's the Dyslexia Mom Life community. That would be awesome. But maybe it's not. Maybe there's someone in your family. Maybe there is a tutor that you're very close with. But it's going to probably be multiple people in your tribe to get through day by day. And another piece that to me is so important is to know and nurture your child's strengths. Your child has them. Probably more than one. And it's so important when you think about day-to-day, going through their day and being bombarded with words they don't understand, literally. They can't read. But then on the flip side of that, to have this amazing ability to write a play or, it's not spelled right, or to... uh, uh, trying to think, maybe they're an amazing soccer player. Maybe they love to act. Maybe they love to build. Maybe they love to create in Minecraft. Whatever it is, we need to embrace that and we need to encourage that as parents because you know what? That's what brings the self-esteem back. And it also gives you an opportunity of a deeper level of connection with your child which to me is so important. You know, at the end of the day, your child's not going to remember more than likely that you sat in the floor and you worked through that math problem over and over and over again. Now, obviously the big part is not sitting on the floor and the big part is that you continue to work on their homework. They're not going to remember, you know, uh, April 8th, second grade, eighth grade math homework. What they're going to remember is you had their back. What they're going to remember is every time they struggled, you were there. They're also going to remember every time they wanted to learn something new or they wanted to take that extra, um, I don't know, that extra class or not extra class, but maybe that extra training for um, whatever it might be that's their interest, that you were there and supported them. They wanted to take that extra music class in the summer. You made it happen. And so having those pieces of not only providing and nurturing the strengths that they have, it gives them the opportunity to shine in where they are as far as an individual and where they are, you know, going to be possibly in their future. So we have to figure those pieces out. And again, it will also give them time to really think about who they are. And we don't want our kids to feel like, oh, I can't read. I'm a failure, right? We want them to see there are other things you excel at. And we have those conversations in our house too. Like there are things that I do well and there are things I don't do well. And so we have those conversations along the way as well. So not only is it important to talk about dyslexia and possibly those sisters that are in the car with them, but also to really know and nurture your child's strengths because it's not only a benefit of them continuing to learn about their strengths, but also, like I just said, it gives you an opportunity to grow that bond with them. That's what they're going to remember. And it gives them the opportunity to be good at something. When all day long at school, they struggle. This is the time that they're good at something. And it gives them the self-esteem that they need.
they need to achieve and be successful. So I want to leave you with a couple of resources today. One is overcoming dyslexia. I can't tell you, I'm going to hold it up again. Again, if you're on the podcast, jump over to the YouTube and look at that so you can see this. Um, Overcoming dyslexia. See, I have it tabbed, right? You can see that I use this book. Not only did it teach me about dyslexia, among other books that I've read and researched, but what I love about this book is I use it as a reference, So sometimes I just need to go look something up or maybe we're transitioning from elementary to middle or maybe I want to know, give me an example of a reading program. She walks you through all those pieces and actually I'm going to go to the contents. So she talks about the first part is the nature of reading and dyslexia. The second part is translating science into practice. So she talks about the actual diagnosing of dyslexia. She talks about how the brain is different. And to me, that is so empowering when we're talking with our kids. The third part is helping your child become a reader. She talks about not only the struggling reader, but she also talks about the gifted child. And in part four, she talks about turning struggling readers into proficient readers. Part five, she talks about choosing a school. How do you choose a school? What do what should we ask of schools? And part six, she talks about success after high school and beyond. So she talks about selecting colleges. She talks about helping adults become better readers. So if you as the parent struggle, this might be a great read for you as well. And then part seven is making it work for the dyslexic child and adult. She talks about those dyslexic sisters. She talks about roles of technology. She talks about the law. She talks about all those things in this wonderfully packed book. Now you may be thinking, Okay, I'm the dyslexic. I don't want to read that book. I mean, it's a heavy it's a heavy lift. I would say two things. One is buy the book as a reference. Second thing, find a way to consume some of this information. So it could be that you listen to it on audiobook, right? It could be that you go to her website and you review and look at some of her videos there and look at some of the things that she has there. So there's different ways to consume this information. But I think if you do it in small chunks, You can definitely get through it, but it is definitely beneficial. So that's the first thing. The next one is, I would say, the I've just mentioned it, is the actual website, the Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity. There are many websites that you will find and run across. Sometimes it will be people trying to sell you a product. So I would say be careful there. They're trying to sell you their reading program. And when you get to those websites, yeah, they do have information. And many times it is research-based, but not always. Sometimes they're trying to sell you something. So I would say, Not only when you think about finding your tribe, find a few resources that are reliable. And this is one that I have found to be very reliable, which is the Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity. And for those of you that are on the YouTube channel, you can see that website as well. And she has lots of information on there, resources, success stories, advocacy. It's a really great place to go when you're looking for information. The other uh, particular, the other website that I highly recommend is the International Dyslexia Association. What I love about their website is not only do they give you information about dyslexia, but they also give you information as a family and a professional. So our teachers could go there, administrators can go there to learn more information. What I love about it though is that they provide what they call fact sheets. And these fact sheets, you can see it on the screen there, is lots of things. It can be homeschooling. It can be gifted and dyslexics. It could be, let's see, another example of things they have on here. Um, 
trying to look here. Let's see. Structured literacy. What is structured literacy? ADHD and dyslexia. Accommodations for students with dyslexia. A family's guide. That is amazing. It's long, but it's amazing. I would definitely go get a free copy of that. And now they have a link from that site over to this next site I have here, which is Welcome to the Dyslexia Digital Library. And so they've actually taken their resources and created a digital library. It's amazing because you can look for things by topic. And so it's very helpful as well. So a lot of the fact sheets you will now find over on the on the um, digital library. So I would just say bookmark these pieces, right? Bookmark these websites and those pieces will be helpful to you as well. And of course, I couldn't end without saying also go to the Dyslexia Mom Life uh, website. We have many resources there. We have the weekly podcast there. We have blog posts and we have resources there as well that will help you along your journey. So I hope today we definitely, you know, hope that you learned what it is to be dyslexic. I've hoped you learned some symptoms and some signs and red flags of dyslexia. Hope you learned some of those myths. There's also a podcast that I recorded about myths that go into more detail. And then hopefully you have kind of next steps like what do I do next? And if you're looking for additional resources, I have also created a, a guide for you. It's Dyslexia Now What? It's the beginner's guide to learning about dyslexia. And it also has, it's a, like I said, a completely free guide, but it also provides you some insight as to next steps and things that you can do to best help your child and to learn just a little bit more about dyslexia. So thank you so much for being here. I hope you learned a lot today about understanding dyslexia and be sure to follow us and subscribe to the uh, podcast and to the YouTube channel. And thank you so much for being here.